the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, sort of. Supposed to be on a little earlier, but technical difficulties, and I'm going to blame COVID on that one. It's as if everyone's getting tired and stressed and strained, and well, we're up and running now. It's a good thing, but we're going to blame COVID on this one. The space race continues is a big headline out there today, from Sputnik to Musk. Space has long led to business opportunities. Corning text instruments, they got in line early to make money. Now you too can make money going to space. And there's all sorts of space investments, but a lot like the 1960s, the 1970s, the space race and the space shuttle program is very expensive to play with. And failures can be catastrophic. As an investor, is that what you're comfortable with? It's a good question. I don't have all the answers for you. In my earlier years, my hubris, my my gut would say, I'm smarter than you. But now I've learned I don't know you. And I know me well. I don't want space to be a big part of my portfolio because I don't need it. I've got wealth. If I didn't have wealth, would I go all in on space? No. Because I'm not an all-in kind of guy. Every time I've ever done that strategy in Vegas or at a casino or in love, it's failed miserably. I like moderation in, believe it or not, moderation. It's something I know about myself, and it makes me a very, very good investor. I am awful at emotions. That makes me a very good investor. The FOMC meeting is today, and it's going to come out, and the 10-year Treasury is going to react to it. We'll probably know clearly right around 10 a.m., 10.30, 11 a.m. Pacific time. You do the translations to your either Hawaiian time, if you're lucky, or your East Coast time, if you're unlucky. But it's going to... The direction of the market's going to be decided today for the short term. And I'm not going to get emotional about it. Big tech is in play until big tech gets fearful of inflation. The markets will get more fearful of inflation if the Fed says, we may raise interest rates soon to fight off inflation. We're growing too fast. That stimulus that we just did, the $1.9 trillion, that's good. And Americans saved a lot of money, and they're going to spend that money. That's good. But if we start seeing material costs, whether it be gasoline or oil, steel, things that, that make you go, oh, that, that, that's too much. For instance, the Federal Reserve can raise interest rates, right? 
and your mortgage rates can go up, let's say, 1%, 2%. Well, wait, why would the Fed raise rates? Well, if the Fed sees lumber costs going up 20% year over year, they can say, we got to do something about that lending into mortgages because there's too much inflation going on there, and we're not seeing enough wage inflation due to job growth in America. The whole formula can get turned on a dime and will get turned on a dime when the Fed says we see inflation or we see no reason to keep money super, 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 super cheap. Maybe they just want to turn it kind of cheap or really, really cheap. But where we are now, they're going to make a decision on later today. And as of last year, they said, don't count on us doing anything until 2023, until the end of 2022, which is a long freaking fracking time in the world of investments. So you're saying, Rob, why are you even talking today? Sounds like you just got to wait a couple hours and see what the Fed does. 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific, there will be havoc. And it's basically the short-term money that's emotional. They'll go, oh, thank God the Federal Reserve's doing nothing. Back into big tech. Or they may go, oh, they see inflation into oil. You will see a reaction today. I know you're saying, Rob, is it that clear cut? Hell yeah, it is. Hell yes, it is at times. Now, again, could I be wrong in my assumption that it's clear cut? I could be, but I don't think I am. We have mixed markets today. I opened the segment by talking about the space race and knowing your own level of how much do you really need to do this? The non-fungible tokens, the NFT market is getting stupid fast. People are paying for all sorts of guarantees. Now, Bitcoin's lovely, but the technology that Bitcoin is built on it is lovelier. Because it allows you to say things like, I want to own a video, I want to own Rob Black's very first radio show ever. And you're going to pay, if you can go back in time, it's fantastic to see, you know, I have it. Um, basically, my boss in personal finance went on vacation. He's like, uh, you've been writing the show for a long time for me, so you do the show. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean I need to do the show? And my very first show, I sounded just like that. I go, oh, John Chambers, he, he ran Cisco Systems, and Cisco Systems was all about local area networks, computers talking to computers in a room, like you could get together in a room. Or let's say like you're in, in another part of the town, you can have the computers talk to each other. That's a wide area network. Or let's say you're in uh, New York and you want to talk to someone in Philadelphia and on the computer, that's a regional area network. And you, know, you send a rover to Mars, you send a rover to Mars, and that's an interplanetary network. My voice sounded crazy to me. And I can sell a digital audio recording of it. And I could put codes into it where you're allowed to play it only once a year. And let's say I sell it to you for $1,000. It's yours. I can no longer play it back on my computer once a year, but you can play it on yours. And on that same technology, I could say, heck, if he paid $1,000 for it, I'll give him $10 to invest every year. And it'll automatically do, 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 take it out of my bank account. And let's say you go, I'm tired of getting $10 a year. And this one show is awful. And he sounds like a chipmunk. And you decided, and I get really popular. Oh, and I get shot. 
Tupac Shakur shoots me. You can now sell my recording to someone else for $2,000. And guess what? I might code it so that I get 10% of that transaction. If you ever resell me, my estate gets 10%, plus they can only play it once. You could set rules into the whole system. It's pretty cool. It's an incredible opportunity for artists, athletes, businesses to retain the rights to what they create. I like it on so many levels, but it's going to cause a lot of scams and fraud. You're going to hear, hey, I see that you've saved nothing for retirement. Do you want to get in on this NFT? Look at the history of NFTs. Elon Musk, his went for, and that guy Beeple, his, his went for $69 million. Don't you want to be a millionaire? There's going to be scams tied towards it. Just so you know, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. An unknown person or group of people use the name Satoshi Nakamoto. It's peer-to-peer -peer cryptography blockchain that's the power of it do you need it or not it's a good question we'll talk about this and much much more you're just rob black and your money i am rob black find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to rob black's twitter his handle is at rob black show listen to rob black and your money weekday mornings seven to nine on am 1220 kdow so i want to throw out a couple more examples of blockchain and how it's going to be important i just recently sold a piece of property to an ex-business partner and one of the things you have to go through is that stupid title search. And let me tell you, that feels like a racket at times. And I gave an example back when I used to live on the East Coast. I'm going to give it now. And there's a little bit of color in this, so don't get mad at me. My bosses in radio got mad at me once before for bringing this up. Back on the East Coast, I used to own a home. And when I bought the home, it was the first time I ever bought a home. And in Virginia, there's a lot of history not as much as in europe in europe you go to a like an italian city and you see a cathedral that was built 800 years ago in egypt you can go hang out at the pyramids and you're like these were made 1400 years ago we don't know how they were made but we know that they were made a long time ago in virginia just outside washington dc i bought a home that had a slave kitchen in it. What does that mean? It was a teeny tiny kitchen that had a brick oven that you, through the years, you're like, um, how do we modernize this? How do we get electricity in this home? And it's tough, but it's a point of history. It's a horrible history in America, but I owned a piece of property that once had Slave quarters, a slave kitchen, not quarters, but a kitchen. Um, and it's the way real estate agents would tell you like, oh, this kitchen's not the greatest kitchen. Uh, it's got a brick fireplace. And you're like, wait, wait, the kitchen with a brick fireplace? That sounds kind of cool. But then you learn the history of it and it's like, oh, that's kind of dark. Like, wait, wait, the place I'm living now had slaves? In Alexandria, Virginia, yeah. 
Yeah, I did. In Arlington, Virginia. Yeah, yeah, they did. And it's a horrible part of our history. But as I'm getting through this, one of the reasons you do a title search is to make sure that the owner of that property once did not say to his indentured servants, no, no, slaves, worse than indentured service, right? He may have said, like, hey, if you work for me for 50 years, I'll give you this property. So you do a title search, but you also do a title search to make sure that I don't have a crazy uncle that thinks I gave him the property. You do a title search to make sure that uh, the real estate agent didn't sell the property to two different people. With blockchain, that can all go away. It can totally put the titling industry out of business. You can prove that it's yours. You can transfer it easily and smoothly. Um, let's say you have a bank account that has a bazillion dollars in it. You could blockchain that and it'll always say that is your bank account with your dollars. And anytime you transfer it, it's so trackable. So that's out there. For better, for worse. Let's talk for better now. Blockchain's not going away anytime soon. Amazon's not going away anytime soon. I did some work yesterday on Amazon. And I, I started by scratching my head. Amazon's got a great track record in retail. They're now not emphasizing books anymore, which is fascinating to me because they made their, their money on books, right? You go to Amazon.com, you don't see a book for a long time on their website. I recently read Craig Ferguson's biography, something about writing an elephant. And they pushed the Audible download version of it way before they pushed bringing, cutting down a tree, printing it, and sending it to me. So they've won in retail. They've won in web services. AWS, if you don't know about it, you should. It may be the, the crown jewel of the company at this point in time. They've kind of won in entertainment. They've been nominated for Emmys. They've been nominated for Academy Awards. They've got enough there that... They can throw that in with their delivery service. And we're like, yeah, okay, good, cool. I've probably watched 5% or less of my television and movies on Amazon Prime. But it might grow in the future. Now they're really focusing on healthcare. And the world is paying attention because they won in retail, they won in web services, and they've done well in entertainment. Do not underestimate what I'm about to say here. Amazon is rolling out its telehealth service known as Amazon Care for employees in all 50 states. They're going to try to roll it out to other businesses by the end of this year. Now, during the pandemic, we kind of got the idea of virtual doctor visits. Uh, where they don't need to see you for a lot of what they do. Now, let's say I want to get a breast augmentation done. They're going to want to see me. They're not going to want me to take my shirt off in front of the camera and say, oh, I got big old puffy breasts now because I've been sitting in the pandemic for way too long. <laughs> I know you're saying you could have come up with a better, right? Uh, I could get a tummy tuck or a neck lift or something, right? I'm dead sexy. I'm sexy. But free telehealth consults for their employees. The biggest cost of business for Walmart is their employees. Their second biggest cost of business is giving their employees health care. Same thing with Amazon down the road, right? you know, it's, it's healthcare and employee labor costs. So they're going to try to do everything they can to cut some costs. 
and the this the world is ready for that. I've got a friend who's an oncologist, and he, let's say he's fifty years old. He's been out of med school for about twenty years. I've known him for about twelve, and he's like, "Yeah, the first ten years of my career was fantastic. I was the oncologist that everyone wanted to use, and then we got acquired. My practice got acquired by Palo Alto Medical Foundation, and he goes, "It sucks." Because what they did was they put a business of oncologists right next to them and said, if you've got insurance, we're going to send you to our oncologist. You can't use Gordon, who is a specialist oncologist. So he saw his margins get squeezed out, squeezed out, squeezed out, squeezed out because of the big insurance company that said, eh, we're only going to pay for your oncology visit if you use one of our doctors. So he saw the industry change. Now, fortunately, as an oncologist, it's cancer's not going away anytime soon. But stick out your tongue and say, ah, is. Yeah. How comfortable are you with it? I don't care. This is moving forward with or without you. Amazon's launched its own online pharmacy after acquiring PillPack in 2018. They saw tremendous growth in telehealth during the COVID uh, pandemic. We've started seeing big deals. Teladoc acquired a company for $18 billion that does diabetes management. Cigna, they acquired a virtual care medical doctor live for an undisclosed amount. Doctors on Demand announced it's merging with Grand Rounds. Our society is moving towards more of a hybrid model where we don't have to go to a hospital or a doctor's office. Think of how much money they can save by not ensuring if you fall on a crack on their sidewalk. This is big business. This is not going to go away. Amazon, they own retail. They own web services. They're doing well in media. Now they're moving into healthcare. Watch out, people. It's another reason to own the stock of Amazon.com or Amazon. Don't call us.com. Up to you. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. It's Fed Day. Fed Reserve. A bunch of bankers get together and they robble. They caucus. They talk about what's going on across America. They decide, is it too hot? Is it too cold? What can we do to help the economy along? It's a big day for financial professionals. Let's bring in a financial professional right here, right now. Briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare. Fed day, does it mean anything personally to you? Because it seems to be a big market mover in my world. Oh, yeah. Hey, Rob. It's nice to be with you again. But, um, yeah, you know, it's definitely a a big thing when the Fed has a meeting, and even more so these days. Um, Fed's so deep into things right now that, you have to pay attention closely to, you know, when you could see a potential inflection point uh, that, uh, you know, forces people to rethink, um, you know, in investment approaches. Um, we might get that today, um, but it really is it really is hard to say. I mean, you, you probably have read a lot of the same preview reports I have, and you, you keep hearing this theme that, you know, Fed Chair Powell has to you know, walk a fine line, you know, thread a, a really tight needle to get this just right. So uh, you can see a little bit of nervousness perhaps in the treasury market that 
uh, he might not um, get things just right. Uh, but, you know, we're all going to know come, you know, a little after 2.30 Eastern time today, uh, after, his, you know, when he begins his press conference, um, you know, what he's thinking, how he's saying it, which is important. And, and then we'll see the reaction function in the market take take hold. Sounds about right. So it's um, it's a big day, and uh, we're, all eyes are on it. And CNBC, you know, interrupts coverage, and they're like, "Fed, it's gonna announce a decision in 15 seconds, 15 minutes, 12 right. minutes." Like, it's kind of weird because I don't think most Americans have an appreciation of the Federal Reserve, but maybe I could have a gap in my understanding there. Um, moving back to the markets, are we? based are we basing our next legs whether it be up or down whether it be big tech or not big tech whether it be recovery or not recovery does it all come down to how the fed pivots or keeps things the same um because it kind of feels that way to me but again i could have a big blind spot right now and just be missing it well it's it's about the interest rate dynamic and of course the fed is is very much part of that um so i the short answer to your question is, is yes. Um, you know, this market is going to be very attentive to uh, to the direction of interest rates. Um, you know, it's not overly concerned, obviously, with where the policy rate's going. It's where, you know, market rates might be headed and specifically long-term rates. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, I should say it, it, the market, you know, knows that the path of least resistance for long-term rates should be higher. Um, based on what you're going to see unfold in terms of economic growth this year, uh, in terms of rising inflation. Um, the question on the market's mind is just how quickly, you know, rates will move up. And and that's what's kind of created a little turbulence here um, in, in 2021 so far for these growth stocks and for the broader market in general. But I would hasten to add, Rob, that as, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, interest rates having moved up sharply already this year. You know, two days ago, we're talking about the Dow, the S&P 500, and the Russell 2000 at record highs, yep. right? So, uh, and that's with quite an adjustment in a number of growth stocks, which are down 10, 15, 20%. Um, so the market has been able to work through the noise, the turbulence, uh, and still maintain a positive bias because, uh, interest rates on a nominal basis are still quite low. Uh, they're still quite low on a real basis. And uh, and there's still a lot of uh, high optimism in terms of the recovery potential. And so you're getting that that rotation into these value and cyclical plays that are carrying the day for this market, which uh, by way of those indices being at, at record highs here, even as rates have come up, does suggest that the market as a whole is not uh, – overly taxed, overly burdened, overly concerned just yet anyway with where interest rates are uh, as being a uh, kind of a driver that could could end the bull market move. I'm kind of stuck on the Federal Reserve today and interest rates. What else should I be paying attention to? Is there like, for instance, let me give you an example. I saw in Barron's this morning that Samsung is warning there's a global semiconductor shortage that's affecting the automobile industry and the cell phone industry, and they may not launch a new phone on time. I'm like, that's a big story. And yet I still get stuck on the interest rates. And yet I kind of want to dig into the semiconductor story and warn people, like, be a little cautious. There's a disruption due to the pandemic and 
semiconductor shortages mean product shortages and product shortages equals revenue shortages and revenue shortages equal we're paying a lot for these companies and they're priced for perfection am i yeah but I, and yet the interest rates still continue to consume me well i was just going to say that it's going to all bleed back into industry because product shortages amid heightened demand usually leads to higher prices right uh, and then you get the margin pressures you're alluding to for corporate earnings. Um, but with higher prices, you know, you potentially see higher inflation, right? And that's what's, you know, on the on the Treasury market's mind right now is like where, while Fed Chair Powell continues to insist that inflation pressures in the near term are, are going to be transitory, and he may be right, right? But uh, there's a, you know, I guess you could call it a, a budding belief or concern certainly that uh, that they could be more permanent and i think it's not out of the you know it's not impossible to think that there could be a little you know tantrum if you will in the treasury market here in in the coming months uh, as well as in the stock market as these you know higher inflation rates come to bear due to lower base effects um, and, uh, and it could just kind of be one of those sort of psychological things that sort of drive these markets to correct. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's coming and it's just going to be really interesting to see how these markets deal with these, you know, these higher inflation rates because of, you know, you're lapping some easier comparisons. Changing topics, if I can. I don't even know if I can at this point in time because I'm obsessed with interest rates. But um, Amazon's big in the news today for expanding its telehealth service nationally. That's a story stock to me because I say, oh, they sell books, they sell websites, they sell uh, videos and movies. Now they're going to sell healthcare. Do you go for the story or do you look for more economic data? As an investor, what's your approach, would you say? Uh, well, it certainly, you know, is a, is a story stock item, but, you know, Amazon, you know, kind of like the Fed has its hand in just about, about everything in a way. Sure. So, um, you know, and, and you could argue that it, it's somewhat the Fed's friend or, or maybe not in the near term anyway, because the Fed wants higher inflation, but, but Amazon by virtue of its reach and its, uh, competitive instincts have, has a way of, helping to drive prices down, right? Okay. Um, and now, you, you know, the uh, increased effort in their healthcare offering, you know, extending it to, uh, to outside their employee base, um, you know, could help ultimately drive down the cost of some of those medical appointments and, and whatnot. Um, so, you know, I don't look at, you know, individual stocks per se very closely, but it's it you know it factors in ter- in terms of you know the macro economic view here to see if you know you get some real traction in this effort and and that these com- competitive factors come into play that help keep healthcare costs you know in check which would be good for all of us but um, you know it remains to be seen. We've got about a minute and a half. I'm just going to shut up and say, what are you thinking about these days? Well, I'm thinking about interest rates a lot too, Rob. Got it. Okay, <laughs> and, uh, that's totally fair. You know, um, we've kind of alluded to this in, in recent interviews, but I mean, it, when you look at, at the ten-year right uh, right now, around one point, just under one point seven percent. Okay, and and if we're talking about 
you know, GDP growth this year, perhaps, you know, being north of 6%, right? Goldman Sachs recently bumped it up to 7%. Um, you might see the Fed today with its economic projections, you know, raise it up, you know, somewhere, you know, north of, of 5% maybe. Um, and it does make you wonder, like, you know, do rates really belong here? You know, and uh, so one of the things I might look at this week in my big picture column is, is maybe perhaps doing a retrospective of what, quote, normal looks like in the Treasury market uh, when you have GDP growth in the neighborhood of 5% or 6%. I can tell you that history does not suggest normal is a, is a, is a yield below 2% when you've got, uh, you know, GDP growth running north of 5%. But, uh, but obviously, as to our theme today, the Fed has got its hand in a lot of things, and the Treasury market is one of those things right now. And, and uh, so you, it, it's difficult to kind of get a sense of where things will ultimately settle here as we get this high growth uh, come to fruition. I'm going to end a little bit early because we only have about a minute left. But thanks for being with us. It's St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. Be safe because that's a crazy mm-hmm. city for St. Patrick's Day. Um I could listen to you talk all day long, and I highly encourage our listeners to, to find you at briefing.com. It's a reliable source of international and national data on all things economic finance related. Thanks for joining us. Have a good day, and again, be safe. And enjoy St. Patrick's Thanks Day. Thanks, you you, You're in the yeah. best city in the world for St. Patrick's Day, in my opinion. Minus Belfast. And unfortunately, I'm stuck in my, unfortunately, I'm stuck in my basement right now. <laughs> oh, God. we got to talk about that off air at some point of what your last years looked like. Because hearing that you're in the basement just made me a little sad because I'm in an 8 by 10 shed, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, and have a good evening. Find um, briefing.com at briefing.com i've used him for 20 plus years i think he's as smart as there is i would pay money to listen to him talk i would buy him beers all day long if you talk stocks like he just did for the last 12 minutes i hope you enjoy i'm rob black find him at briefing.com Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Excuse me. This is the time of year where you hear sniffles from me. I'm working in an 8 by 10 shed, essentially. It's a nice shed. It's got hardwood floors and windows and French doors, but it's a shed. COVID is starting to wear me down. I'm in a glass case of emotion. But I can still see the stories that are driving the market. PepsiCo unveils a new line of Mountain Dew energy drinks with LeBron James endorsement. If I can get LeBron James to endorse something, I would. It's the 21st century. It's not just athletes anymore. It's also influencers. With that said, I've got a relative who's trying to be an influencer, and she's horrible at it. (laughs) She's got maybe 10,000 followers, which is great, but it's not enough to live off of. So athletes still have their place. Nike's going to report earnings, and you're seeing analysts up their numbers on Nike before earnings season is finished. Um, I own shares of Nike because I still believe in the power of that brand. Yesterday, I talked about some blue chip companies 
that I would feel comfortable owning for 20 or 30 years. At this point in time, I feel comfortable with Nike. Even though there are some competitors out there that come and go, I'm aware that most of them go. So Pepsi unveils a new line of Mountain Dew energy drinks with LeBron James endorsement. I believe it's going to be called Mountain Dew Rise. And it's got lovely flavors like pomegranate blue burst and strawberry melon spark and peach mango dawn. That's right. It's got vitamins A and C and zinc all supporting the immune system. Uh, energy drinks are a $14.5 billion business. Company is leaning on the Mountain Dew brand, which is known for its high caffeine content, Sugar Rush. Man, do you remember the first time you had a Mountain Dew? I lived on the East Coast, and sometimes I lived in the South. Um, I lived overseas, but my parents were from uh, the Deep South. My dad was an orphan. My mother lost her father when she was two in a war. But I remember the first time visiting the Deep South and getting what's called Mellow Yellow. <laughs> it's, I think it's a ripoff of, of Mountain Dew, or it was Mountain Dew before Mountain Dew. And I just remember the, the, the excitement in my mouth when I drank it. I was like, what's going on? Go 40 years forward and you still have energy drinks being pushed by athletes. Mellow Yellow had a Mellow Yellow racing car in the, um, I'm not sure, are they called stock cars or Daytona cars that go around the track really fast? Those stock, I, I don't know what they're called. But the point being is that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Do I like Coca-Cola or Pepsi as investments? I do. You could hold a gun to my head and say, if you don't own one of these, I'm going to blow your brains out. I'd be like, I'll own one. I'll Fine. As long as I can own it for 30 or 40 years, I, I sense that Coca-Cola is still going to sell bubbly, fizzly drinks. Pepsi's still going to sell Doritos and Mountain Dews. I believe they're both going to sell orange juice and water. Um, does it intrigue me to talk about every day on the radio? No, 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 not at all. Back in the 1980s, when the space race was over, essentially, we started looking at Russia as no longer competitors that can nuke the heck out of each other. We started looking at them as like, hey, we could sell them blue jeans and Coca-Cola. It's got that universal tenant to it. So just throwing that out there, LeBron James signs a deal with PepsiCo. And if I wanted to make my life easier and focus on love and passion and my career, and, or a different career, like for, let's say I go back to being 20 years old and I say, I'm going to be a chef. I would have no problem owning a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi for the next 30 or 40 years. I, I, I wouldn't take a lot of brain work from me. Biden's talking about raising taxes $1 trillion. That's hefty new taxes. Wall Street won't like it when we get to conversations about that. Right now, it's just being talked about. Like, hey, we could do $4 trillion on road improvements and airport improvements, and that'll help our economy. We're falling behind Europe. We're falling behind Asia. But how are we going to fund it? A trillion dollars in new taxes per year? Wall Street will not like that. Wall Street likes the free money for now until it leads to inflation. And when it leads to inflation, we're, we're hooked on that spending of printing the money. 
we're going to start taxing more people. And again, it may be the smokers. It may be the uber wealthy. It may be the average man. We don't know. We still know that the Senate can easily be controlled by Republicans because the way the United States is set up with so many rural states and the Senate being two per state. Same thing with the House of Representatives has so many rural counties. So tax policies are going to be an argument uh, because we can swing either way pretty darn quickly based on our pocketbooks and how pinched we feel or how left out of the system we feel. But we're going to start having these conversations. The more the more money that's printed, the more it's going to lead to conversations about more taxes. The more conversations about taxes, the more problems it's going to present to your portfolio. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a good thing. It's going to be something serious for us to go through. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Don't be shy. If you have any questions about investing, I can help set you up with a great company to help you. If you have any questions about mortgages, I can find you a mortgage lender. Questions about insurance, I can tell you what I use. Hint, hint, call centers. But I'm not going to give you the names. We'll talk about this and much, much more in future episodes. Find me online at robblackshow.com. <laughs>